Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome aboard. It's Thursday afternoon, fresh thinking time. This is Rabbi Shishla and we are together until three o'clock. As uh, sure, it's an interesting day in the world of astronomy today and that is a lot of what we spoke about last week. So I'm not going to go into that in great detail today, but first ever photograph of a black hole and the fact that a little bit later this evening we're hoping to see the landing of Bereshit, the Israeli lunar lander. So it's definitely a time of focus on things outside of this world. But for us as the Jewish community, with one week and a day to go until Pesach, there's a lot of focus on the black holes in our own homes. You know, the place that things disappear. <laughs> and then you discover, actually, in your Pesach cleaning, that things haven't necessarily disappeared. They've been there all along, just tucked away in a corner that you perhaps hadn't looked at, or a corner of the house that you tend to ignore. So, with the pressure building, and the anticipation building, and hopefully the excitement building, so here we come to the time of the year. Pesach is very much in the air. People are talking about it. People are talking about their Seder. People are talking about the cost of Pesach products. And today what I'd like to talk about with you is the preparation, the build-up that happens to Pesach. A couple of years ago, actually, on this show, we spoke about the cost of product. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. But instead, there's no question that if you'd like to get into a real Pesach space, one of the things that you need to be doing is this very intense Pesach cleaning. I think that we are the people who invented spring cleaning. And that's what I want to do, speak about today with you. And I'd like to invite you, as always, to be part of the conversation. At any time during the show, you can speak to the topic or you could speak about another Pesach-related issue if you have a question. This would be a great forum to be able to share that question. So SMS is on 34519. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. And so the question that we're going to try and get to the bottom of, I suppose, in today's show, if you ever can get to the bottom of these things, that's the nature of how it is when you deal with Judaism and with questions surrounding Judaism. So I suppose my question to start us off is, do you think we overdo it? There's a lot of cleaning that takes place at this time of the year. You get people to do all kinds of incredible things. You go to a whole lot of those car cleaning places in and around the Jewish areas over the next week, and you will see people lining up over there and vacuuming and scrubbing and saying, do it again because it's not clean enough. Walk into the home of observant Jews, even at a very basic level of observance, and again, you'll see the same kind of scene unfolding just in a slightly different format. People scrubbing, cleaning, vacuuming, removing things moving furniture about going to unexplored areas of the house like behind your fridge all in anticipation for Pesach and so I wonder I wonder if you've ever asked yourself standing then with your sleeves rolled up and some kind of a damp cloth in your hand and a spray bottle with some kind of concoction that you were told this year is the concoction that gets rid of all grime and grease and dirt and chomets have you ever wondered if perhaps we overdo it just a little bit when it comes to the Pesach preparation? Or I suppose on the other side of the argument with the advent of technology, the fact that we have things like vacuum cleaners or that we can get hired help to do some of the heavy lifting for us. You might uh, bring in a professional carpet cleaner. You may – I remember at one time there were even people who offered their services to come and Pesach clean your home. I don't know if that still exists. You can send things off to be cleaned and then returned to you. 
So, which side of it do you think we lean on in the modern world, in the build-up to Pesach? Do you think that we're maybe a little bit too over the top? Or do you think maybe we've taken our foot off the pedal and relied just a little bit too much on either technology or, might I say, horror of horrors, perhaps we've relied a little bit on insight. You know, where people have an insight that says, hang on a second, Dust is not chomets. It's probably one of the most important lines to remember at this time of the year. Our goal is to rid our house, our houses of chomets. Chomets is defined as grain products that may have had the opportunity to ferment and therefore become what they call leaven. I don't know that we use the word leaven outside of the context of Pesach. I stand to be corrected. If anybody uses the word leaven in their normal conversation, well, then go ahead and tell, tell us about it because I don't believe that people really do. So dust is not chomets. It's a very important guiding principle for this cleaning process. Having said that, though, some people go all out and spick and span top to bottom, really clean the house house in an unprecedented fashion. And other people are like, listen here, if I don't see it and it doesn't appear to be bread, then I don't feel the need to have to clean it. So I'm wondering, where would you say we are headed as a society? Have we become all together over the top and very fixated on the experience of cleaning for Pesach. Or do you think we've maybe chilled a little bit and said, hang on a second, I can hire in people to assist or maybe there's certain things I really don't have to worry about because it's not like anybody's going to eat that grime that sits uh, underneath the oven or whatever it is. So where do you think? Where do you think we're headed? Are we, are we headed in a more extreme pre-Pesach stress or are we headed to a more relaxed pre-Pesach experience. And then, of course, we'll build our conversation from there. The idea is, ha, <laughs> ha, very funny, very funny. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention before that you can tweet as RC has done. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Ravashish. So RC tweets. I'll have to get back to you on this one. I'm too busy trying to find yet another way to burn my chomets. And he says, Azizan Pesach. Um, that's cute. Absolutely. I think there are many people who at this time of the year just don't talk to them. This is it. It's uh, T minus eight. You know, we, we're almost there. We're just around the corner from Pesach. And there is a certain stress that builds at this time. And there's certain people maybe you should not ask these kinds of philosophical questions to because they're just busy and they're trying to clean up. And please don't confuse me now with conversation. So what is your experience of the pre-Pesach cleaning do you think that it's something that people are a little bit over the top do you think that it's something that people are perhaps too lackadaisical about and they really should pull up their uh, Pesach socks and get down and dirty and like actually do something you know clean clean up as they should so I'm interested really interested to hear what people think about it because I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that you'll have very extreme views on this where there are people who are saying this is all sugar. it's absolutely sugar. what is with you people do you honestly think that it makes a difference that little flake of chomets well actually technically it does because the nature of Pesach is that the smallest amount of chomets on Pesach is objectionable not just objectionable it can trafe up your whole kitchen can really ruin everything for you just one little tiny little piece of chomets so you can understand why there is this path of absolute destruction and why it is that we go in this uh, grand search to try and weed out every bit of chomets. But then again, you have to know that halachically, if there's a part of your home where you're absolutely convinced that food never goes, then 
there's no reason to go there and start tearing the place apart and cleaning that part of your house. Especially, let's say, if you do not have young children at home, then you should have a fairly good sense of where the chomets is in your house. Maybe pets will bring another uh, part of the conversation to light. But if you know for certain that this part of your house, food does not enter that part of your house, well, then cursory glance, make sure that it looks clean, and that's it. You're done. It's a very clear halachic standard that only says places where chomets goes are places that you have to search and places that you have to clean. Now, the reality is that in our lives today, we tend to eat all over the place. I'm sure it's the kind of thing that parents shout at the kids about all the time. Don't eat all over the house. Fact is, they do. And all over the car. And all over the place. And so, in most homes, there is the possibility of chomets in all kinds of unlikely places. By the way, one that you may not think about, but it's an extremely likely place to have little granules and crumbs of chomets. It's inside the keyboard of your computer, by the way, if you actually think about it. And, yeah, now you can start worrying about how you clean that out. <laughs> no question that the advent of touch, t- uh, touch screen cell phones has helped a lot because you often have grimy hands all over your cell phone, but it's a lot easier to just clean up the surface of a touch screen than it was there's those old tiny little keys people used to go with toothpicks. And is that sugar? Well, technically not, because as far as the Torah is concerned, the smallest amount of chomet is a problem. And so you've got to really do what you can to clean it out. That said... People start doing things like, uh, I don't know, cleaning parts of the house that there's no way in the world that food could ever get there. Like, let's say, once I'm in the cleaning mood, I'm going to clean my fans, ceiling fans. Well, exactly how is bread or chomets going to get to the top of your ceiling fan? So that's our conversation today. We're going to talk about the pre-Pesach. It's very common at this time of the year for everybody to talk about Pesach. Let's talk a little bit about the pre-Pesach. And you can comment on whether you think that people are stressing too much or whether you think that people have become a little bit lazy. But actually, what I'm most interested in talking about today is what do we learn? What is the lesson supposed to be out of this whole frenzy of cleaning that is supposed to happen before Pesach? And that's actually where I'd like to hear your thoughts on 34519 or on 0618951019. Now you should hurry to the Norwood Mall because their Pesach gift market is on until the 19th of April. They are open daily at the center court from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., excluding Saturdays for obvious reasons. We have about 20 stalls with a stunning range of gifts to suit all pockets and tastes. Our resident stalls also have amazing gifts on offer, so come and browse. You can support some of your favorite charities who are also represented at the market. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And that's why we're talking Pesach and we're talking Pesach cleaning. And I'm asking the question if people have maybe gone a little bit off the deep end when it comes to Pesach cleaning. Well, Avi certainly seems to think that we have on SMS. And you've got to love this. One thing about our community is people are very comfortable to share their views. Avi says the entire Middle East wants to blow Israel off the face of the earth. And you are talking cleaning for Pesach. Give me a break. So, Avi, my question is... Give you a break from Pesach cleaning? No, seriously speaking. First of all, I don't know if everybody, and I'm not going to put my opinion out on this. I'm not sure that everybody would agree that the entire Middle East wants to blow Israel off the face of the earth. That's an interesting conversation in its own right. So, okay, you are upset at the notion of talking about cleaning for Pesach when we have an existential threat. What should we be doing instead? 
That's my uh, response. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Mike says on WhatsApp, pack away the keyboard and get a Pesach one. Wow. I thought you were going to suggest that we should cover the keyboard in tinfoil because that seems to be one of the favorite products of the from Pesach kitchen, right? Tinfoil all over the place. So could you only imagine trying to cover your keyboard with tinfoil? Do you really have to go out and get a new Pesach one? I haven't seen that on the Beth Din uh, guide for Pesach for this year. Maybe Mike is going to introduce a new custom. Careful what you wish for. So, yes, it's a stressful time of the year, and people do get all nose out of joint about the cleaning for Pesach, either because they're the person who's doing it or because they think that we're all nuts. And really, let's just... You know, take a chill. It's the holiday of liberation. Why on earth are you so concerned about these little granules of bread when there are big global issues to contend with? So my question, therefore, is, and that's exactly why I wanted to get into this conversation. So what are you supposed to learn from the whole process? There is this process of Pesach cleaning. There is this process. So what are we supposed to learn? Whether you do it or you don't do it, whether you stress about it or you've got the whole thing down packed because you've got a process and a strategy and you've put it in place and it works and you've got delegated all the hard lifting to, to other people, it doesn't matter. Whatever your personal experience of the Pesach cleaning is, my question to you is, what's the lesson? Why are we doing this? How is it supposed to teach us about who we are, who we should become, everything that Pesach represents is it just simply an excuse for one of those things that lingers in the Jewish psyche? It's called OCD. Is that perhaps what it's all about? Just talking to the fact that we have this obsession with control. Many of us, obviously I'm generalizing, and uh, many of us have an obsession with cleanliness. Maybe Pesach just kind of talks to that. Is that what it's all about? Or could there perhaps be something meaningful, something personal that we could take out of the experience of Pesach cleaning. So what's the lesson? What's the lesson of Pesach cleaning? Here's one tweet that says to clean more thoroughly next year. I don't know if that's a lesson because it doesn't seem to matter how well you clean your house before Pesach. Somehow when Pesach rolls around, there is still stress and there will still always be things that we discover that, oh my goodness, I forgot about this and I forgot about that and I didn't realize, you know, that, uh, that here was a part of the house that maybe had been a little bit overlooked. So... <laughs> okay, it's heating up. I see some of the comments are heating up. We're going to come to them in just a second. So, uh, yeah, okay, well, I, I knew this was going to happen. I mean, there's no question about it that when you get to the conversation around Pesach cleaning, straight away you get people who become very excited and very defensive and so on. Here's Anthony who says that the lesson of Pesach cleaning is Shalom Bayit, peace in the home. So I wonder, I wonder, is, is Pesach cleaning something that enhances peace in a home? Something that brings some kind of respectful interaction between spouses? Or is it 
I think sometimes actually the opposite. I think sometimes puts a lot of strain on a relationship between family members. Oh, don't go into that room. I've already cleaned it for pace. How many times do I have to tell you don't eat all over the house? You know, the kind of stresses and traumas that seem to gravitate towards the Pesach cleaning experience. I wonder, what do you mean when you say that Pesach cleaning is there to teach us Shalom Bayit, to teach us about peace in the home? Unless, of course, what you're saying is... um, that Pesach cleaning is a test of whether we can retain peace in our home under stressful conditions. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. And that would be a valuable lesson because it's all very well to have a peaceful household when life is dandy. But when there is a bit of pressure and when there is a lot of expectation and when there's work to be done and people don't necessarily look out for or respect the work that work that people have done. So maybe then there is a great challenge around Shalom Bias, around peace in the home, and that's perhaps what we should be looking at. Okay? Good point, if that's what you intended. Uh, here's Gina who says that Pesach Cleaning teaches that my children are hoarders. And that even when we tell them not to eat in their rooms, they do. I wonder, Gina, if that is something that's unique to your family. I suspect not. Probably every family has these issues. You suddenly discover that kids do put things away. You give them... I I always think about the proximity of Purim to Pesach. You know, Purim, we give these kids an absolute fortune of sugary treats and there's no way that they're going to eat them all. Well, hopefully they're not going to eat them all by the time Pesach rolls around. I, should, I shouldn't say there's no way. Kids are capable of very interesting things. So inevitably they hide them in sock drawers and all kinds of other places where hopefully their siblings won't be able to find their treasured candies. And then there you go. Just before Pesach, you suddenly find this hoarded mass of sugary treats in your kids' rooms. And maybe that's a lesson in its own right. Maybe we don't need to give them so many of those sweets. Maybe they should eat a little bit more healthily. That's a lesson right there. And yes, if you think that you're going to wag your finger at your children and tell them never eat in your rooms and just from that alone they're not going to eat in their rooms, well, I suppose that that is a very pragmatic take-home Pesach message from the pre-Pesach cleaning experience. The kids will find a way to eat in those areas that have been designated as no-eat areas. And that's pretty much a guarantee. That's one of the reasons, incidentally, and I don't mean to overstress anybody, but that's one of the reasons why you've got to look inside your kids' pockets because you'll be surprised what you find there. That's one of the reasons why down the sides of couches, oh my goodness, what kids will stuff down the sides of couches, not to mention your car seats and especially those beautiful infant seats that they sit in munching on who knows what. Oh my gosh, it really makes for a very interesting pre-Pesach experience. So what else? What else do you think we could learn from the Pesach experience? Or I should say from the Pesach cleaning experience. So far, what everybody's spoken about seems to be quite pragmatic, quite you know, down to earth. What about spiritual lessons? There's got to be a spiritual component to this. I mean, it can't just simply be about getting your house to look a little bit cleaner. Pick up a Norwood Hyper. Have three pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. They've got pick and pay kosher stewing beef at a delicious 74 and 99 a kilo. Pick and pay kosher chicken flatties assorted at a very low 79 rand 99 per kilo. Pick and pay lamb stew is only 129 rand 99 a kilo. And pick and pay kosher lean beef mince is 69 rand 99 per kilo. You can catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Nord and are only while stocks last. That's Pick and Pay Hyper Nord, the best place to shop when you want to buy 
a lot. And the last few seats are available for the South African Jewish Board of Deputies Great Debate, which is this evening at 7.30 p.m. at the Cyril Harris Community Center. Renowned author and journalist Mandy Wiener will pose pertinent questions to the leaders of five prominent political parties on the night. Seating is limited, but don't despair because the event will also be broadcast live on High FM from 7 p.m. Details of the event can be found on the South African Jewish Board of Deputies social media pages and on their website, www.sajbd.org. Sounds interesting. If you have just tuned in, it is fresh thinking time. You are with Rabbi Shishla, as we do every Thursday, talking about things and trying to see them from a fresh perspective. Talking today, as we get closer to Pesach, we're talking about the pre-Pesach cleaning frenzy, and I'm asking you the question, well, what's the lesson? What's the lesson? I did ask at the beginning of the show if people think perhaps we've gone a little bit overboard with the cleaning. We had at least one person who said there are bigger global issues, so let's tackle those. And uh, and now they followed up. Here's Abby again on SMS says Iran will sort Israel's Pesach cleanup. Uh, I don't think so. I think if anything, it'll be the reverse. Just putting it out there. Much more likely it'll be the reverse. But uh, uh, <laughs> it's quite a quite a funny. Th- Way of putting it, I suppose. That's one of the great things about us as a Jewish people. We've always been able to laugh at the very dire circumstances that we face. And, well, let's not get into geopolitics right now. But it's interesting. Anybody know, just for interest's sake, how do you say nuclear energy in Hebrew? Just putting out there. It's an interesting interesting part of this particular conversation. So we're talking today about what are the spiritual lessons that you're supposed to learn from the fact that you're down on hands and knees cleaning your house for Pesach. What is it supposed to teach you? If you've got a thought on that, it could be your own, it could be something you heard, it could be something you learned, then SMS us on 34519 or WhatsApp 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM. Tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So far, some of the Comments that are coming through about what you could learn from Pesach are very down to earth, like Jessica, who says, we learn to find things that we thought were lost. It's quite a profound lesson, by the way. We are so quick to say that something is gone forever, and then comes Pesach, and suddenly you realize, hey, hang on a second, who says it's gone forever? Who says? Who says? Um, here's somebody who says that our, that Mark says, our stoves, fridges, pantries, cupboards were desperately in need of a clean. If it wasn't for Pesach, it may never have happened. And that's true. That is what happens, right? It's what happens is that we get into this frenzy of cleaning. We end up cleaning up parts of our house that we normally wouldn't clean. And that was the point that I made earlier, that dust is not chomets. It's nice. It's nice to use the opportunity of Pesach cleaning to do a real spring cleaning, but it's not necessarily what is required. There is no mitzvah to create additional stress. There is no mitzvah to start a top-to-toe cleaning up of your whole house just because Pesach is coming. There is a requirement to get chomets out of sight and put away and and that's what's gonna that that's what really counts i don't know who this is on whatsapp but it is the correct answer i asked you how do you say nuclear energy in hebrew and this person has correctly responded energia garinit now the reason i asked that question is because avi earlier said that iran is going to take care of israel's pesach cleaning which i actually think sounds quite promising 
maybe they'll flip around from being looking from from looking to annihilate us and instead decide to help us clean for Pesach. That'd be fantastic. But the point is, it made me think because garini, a garin is like a seed or a granule, and that's what nuclear energy is—a nucleus, the the tiniest bit of matter. And maybe that in itself is one of the lessons of the Pesach cleanup: is the power of something. Minuscule in size You know Not too long ago People used to believe That you had to have Large weapons In order to inflict Large damage That you had to have Large power stations Using huge amounts Of uh, fossil fuels In order to be able To generate energy And today We understand that That is not necessarily the case But in fact That which is granular That which is Well smaller than granular That which is The tiniest Of things Actually contains The power to unleash untold fury in the negative or untold energy in the positive. And that's what, that's, that's the, the light that went on in my mind the minute there was this, this association between Iran and Pesach. And like, bingo, that's exactly one of the lessons that we could learn. You could easily say, who cares? It's just a tiny little piece of chomets. Well, we live in a world where tiny little pieces are what everything runs on. Look at your cell phone. Right? It doesn't run on massive mainframes like the computers of yesteryear that could barely do anything and occupy the whole room. Tiny little things, nanotechnology. That's what the whole world runs on. One misplaced dot in an email address and the thing does not get delivered. One piece of code that is just one digit out and the whole program doesn't work. One minor little screw in a massive satin rocket and the thing is not going to be able to Take off, right? So that's, that's the, that's the reality. The reality is that tiny things actually have massive, massive implications. And if there's one thing that Judaism in general has always taught us, and it's one thing that the Chomets concept will teach us specifically around Pesach is never ever overlook the value and the power and the reach of small things. And so that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking when Avi brought up this concept of the Middle East looking to wipe us off the face of the map. Well, give me a suggestion. What should we be doing? Because as far as Judaism is concerned and has done for the last few thousand years successfully, and that's why we're still here in spite of everybody's best efforts to get rid of us, is to recognize that the little things that we do in the world of God's instruction, they make a difference to the global realities. So maybe Pesach is not such a clear story because Pesach happened before we were given the mandate by God of what exactly we should be doing. But throughout the rest of our history, you see it really, really clearly that whenever it is that the Jewish people got on board with what was expected of them in the face of a threat, that is when the threat diminished. And I know what's going to happen. I know that somebody's going to pull up the Holocaust and say, what about that? We don't have an answer and I don't think anybody should claim to have an answer about what happened with the Holocaust. We just simply don't know. But there are periods in our history where we have very, very clear correlation about the little things, little things, because we believe absolutely that little things of a spiritual nature have huge impact, greater impact even than a nuclear facility on the realities of our world. And that is our power. That is our power, our little Things that connect us to the infinite and to the all-powerful. That is our power. And I think that that's an incredible lesson from the pre-Pesach cleaning. Um, Mike says, the level of cleaning is directly related to the size of the plastic bag that you eat in. Mike, I don't know if too many people actually get that, even though I think it's quite funny. So those who got it, 
got it. But uh, for the rest of us, uh, for the rest of everybody, if you didn't get it, well, I think Mike made a made a funny. I think it was actually. I think it was actually pretty appropriate. What else? What else could we learn from the – what spiritual things could we learn from the preparations, the cleaning for Pesach? Here's uh, – okay, I knew there was going to be a little bit of a debate about it. I'm not going to get into the debate about whether you do have to clean for Pesach or whether you just have to get rid of chomets and is it spring cleaning and dust is not chomets. I think we've already addressed that. So we're going to park that one for now and see what else is it that we could learn from the frenzy of cleaning for Pesach, from the – Obsession that we have, those tiniest little pieces of chomets. What else could we learn from it? I'd love to hear your thoughts on 34519. That is our SMS number or the WhatsApp number 0618951019. And you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So what would you choose? Imagine making your way down the Pesach aisle at Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. You fill your trolley and leave the store. A dream? Nope. It's the Pick and Pay Hyper Big Pesach Trolley Dash. Whatever you buy at Pick and Pay Hypernord, write your details on the back of your slip and put it into the box at the information kiosk. That's how you enter the Pesach Big Trolley Dash. If your name is drawn and you are in store for the draw, then you become the one and only Dasher. Whatever you put into your trolley from the Pesach aisle within 60 seconds, you take home free and compliments of pick and pay. The trolley dash draw is on the 18th of April, and you'll have to be in store for the draw in order to win. So good luck. Pick and pay Hypernord is the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. We're talking today about the prep for Pesach, the cleaning, the quest for zero chomets. And I'm asking you, what could we learn from this spiritually? You are welcome to join at any time. WhatsApps on 0618951019. SMSs on 34519. You can tweet at Chai FM. You could tweet me directly at Rabashish. So what could we possibly learn from the chomets cleansing experience? Now, that's a funny thing, you know, when people make really good points and they don't put their name on the SMS or the WhatsApp in this case. So this is the same person who correctly told us what nuclear energy is in Hebrew now says that the spiritual lesson of cleaning for Pesach is to get rid of spiritual chomets. So you've got the physical chomets, which is the stuff that's lying in your kitchen, and that's what you've got to get rid of. And then equally, there's an experience of getting rid of spiritual chomets. And I think you're on the money. It's a 100% absolutely on the money. Reminds me a little bit of a story of the first Rebbe of Chabad, Rebbe Shneir Zalman of Riyadi, who we call the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. And they tell a story how when it was the eve prior to Pesach, in other words, tonight a week, and you're supposed to go through your house with a candle and a feather and a spoon, and you look for pieces of chomets, and you put them aside, and you burn them the next day. So they tell the story that he had a one-room home, not one bedroom, one room, as wasn't that uncommon in those days. Everybody lived in squalor, tiny little place, and it took him the whole night to go through the process of searching for chomets. And the obvious explanation is that he was not looking for bread. The bread is easy to find. The internal chomets is a lot more difficult to find. So how would you identify that spiritual chomets? I think it's one of those things we talk about annually. So how do you identify it? So far, that brings 
two lessons to light. The first lesson is that the, the importance and never underestimate the power of small things. And that's why the small things really count and they really make a difference. And that's why we focus on small things, not only on Pesach, but probably highlighted on Pesach. And the second point is that getting rid of and scrubbing and cleaning and trying to get all of that dirt but again, dirt is not chometz, right? Trying to get that chometz product out of your house is in itself supposed to be a process of trying to get that chometz out of yourself. Well, what is it? What is the chometz within yourself? Here's a WhatsApp from Michelle who says it means to identify and remove sin from your life just as the leaven. So absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody can say differently to that. You know, somebody sent me, and I couldn't read it out before because it's quite lengthy, so I'll just summarize it for you. But somebody sent a message over here to say that, and I think this is really interesting, that, that Pesach is actually the first step of preparation to Rosh Hashanah. Now, the reality is that the we know the time flies at such a rate that, yes, after Pesach is over, you may as well start preparing for Rosh Hashanah because it's literally around the corner. But to say that it's the first step of preparation for Rosh Hashanah, I thought it was quite insightful. And it's something I hadn't necessarily thought of before, but it speaks directly to Michelle's point that getting rid of chomets is not only about cleansing your house, but also cleansing, as the expression goes, getting your house in order, getting yourself into a healthy space. So excising the negativity. I don't know that I would necessarily peg it only to the word sin. Number one, I think people become defensive when we use the word sin. Number two, chomets is not necessarily sin. Remember, chomets is just fine during the rest of the year. It's only over Pesach that it's offensive. So it's not something which is fundamentally bad. It's something which has healthy properties. Yes, I know there are many people into banting, and they'll tell you chomets is bad all year round. By the way, if you're banting, what do you do over Pesach? Is, does, does it really count because you haven't really been eating chomets? So, like, <laughs> is it really that much of an experience? Okay, subject for another conversation. But the point over here is that we shouldn't identify chomets as sin because chomets is something which is technically Okay, it's actually kosher. This is a specific time of the year, and there's a specific focus. And I'm sure you've heard this a million and one times that we're told that chometz is associated with the attribute of arrogance, just in the same way as it's bread that rises. So it relates to a personality that rises and inflates and becomes a bit full of itself. And yes, once a year, you've got to do that work. And deflate the ego just a little bit to get to a healthy place of humility. The Rambam Maimonides says that generally speaking, a person should follow a middle balanced path in life. But there are two areas where you can be extreme. You can be extreme when it comes to getting rid of anger or developing patience and acceptance. And you can be extreme when it comes to humility. So that's what Chomets and the the quest to rid ourselves of Chomets is actually all about. It's this extreme humility that we're trying to achieve. So that's definitely part of it. But I think there's another angle, and because that's something that, we've, that we speak about every year, and I'm sure that you've heard it multiple times, here's another angle which perhaps we don't necessarily think of. There are so many, there are so many mitzvahs that we could do during the course of the year. What's unique about this particular one is the sweat equity. You know, a lot of mitzvahs that we do don't require physical exertion necessarily. In fact, let's say Shabbos, for example, is about spiritual, is about physical rest. Or let's say putting on tefillin. You don't have to do major spiritual exertion. So how could it, you know, here's a unique thing. Here we've suddenly got a build up. Here we've suddenly got a, a build up 
to Pesach where you've got to actually work. You've actually got to feel it. It's one of those few mitzvahs. You're going to feel it in your body. You're going to come to the Pesach Seder and say, oh, my back is a bit out. I was talking to somebody today who said that they had a pain in their neck, literally, literally a sore neck. And the reason was from, from Pesach prep. You're going to feel your muscles aching and you might break a sweat. There are not that many mitzvahs where we get to do that. And that's something of tremendous value to actually Exert yourself physically in the service of God We pay a lot of attention to all kinds of things that happen in the realm of the mind And in the realm of emotions We're very intellectual people We're the people of the book We love a good argument We love to learn And that's brilliant and amazing Yet here when it comes to build up towards Pesach We've got this unique opportunity to put physical exertion into our service of God And that's something which is quite unique and quite special because our belief is that whatever we invest in the service of God, that part of us becomes holy. So if you invest your mind, you immerse your mind in the study of Torah, then your mind becomes filled with holiness. If you exert your body in the, this business of scrubbing and cleaning and schlepping and moving, you, you actually allow yourself to have your whole body immersed in a holy experience. Yes, of course, it's a very physical experience, but that's what Judaism is all about, is the fusion of holiness and physicality. So it's it's quite an interesting thing that we've got this unique opportunity that really only rolls around once a year to this extent. I suppose the other time where you have it is when you celebrate at a wedding, because it is a mitzvah to bring joy to the bride and groom. And there also you exert yourself physically, you break a sweat, you feel it the next day. That I, I can't necessarily think of another example of something that requires that level of exertion exertion as this mitzvah does. So effectively what we're doing is we're investing every part of our physical being in our relationship with God. And that's deep. That's something which is it's quite meaningful. It leaves you a different person. There are quite a number of stories in Jewish history about people who went through the experience of exerting themselves in Pesach preparation and how it actually changed the nature of of who they were on the other end of it, made them more spiritually sensitive and more just generally a little bit of a better person. So that's an angle that people don't necessarily think of. Maybe you've got an angle too, in which case I'd love to hear it. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So again, unsigned, but a good question by SMS. If Chomets is ego and arrogance, why is it kosher the rest of the year? I was dying for somebody to ask that question because I think it's a brilliant question. Here we are, building up to Pesach, doing everything our level best to get rid of Chomets like it's the most toxic thing that exists. And then the second Pesach is out, go look at the lines at the pizza shop. And the enthusiasm and excitement that people suddenly have to eat chomets. And then you go to Shabbos and you have to have challah, which is like the ultimate chomets because it's fluffy white flour. Yes, I know people also have whole wheat challah and spelt challah and all that kind of thing. But in its classic incarnation, it's typical chomets. So if chomets is all about ego and arrogance, how come it's kosher the rest of the year? And I think that that's a really good question. See, here's a thought. You have to remember that the Pesach celebration is specifically the celebration of liberation from slavery and while today we are clearly not slaves in the classical sense we understand that we are slaves in a more symbolic way some people will tell you we're slaves to technology others will tell you that we are slaves to secular thinking others will tell you that we are slaves to bad habits people will tell you that they're slaves to their whatever particular foibles they have whatever it is it's in that process of breaking out of slavery, which basically means in the process of early personal growth, 
You know, when a person has an epiphany, when a person starts to learn something, when a person starts to practice something, you can see this a lot when a person starts to become religious. By the way, this is one of the most dangerous times is when a person starts to become religious. It's at that point, that week of exodus, that moment of breaking out of everything that you believed was your obstruction, obstacle, limitation in life, that's when you have to be absolutely sure there's no arrogance involved. Because if you start a spiritual journey, if you begin a process of personal liberation, and it has even the slightest bit of ego driving it, of self-interest, of arrogance, then it's not really personal growth. Then it's me growth. And the me that I was trying to improve upon or the me that I was trying to escape is just coming along for the journey. So that's why during Pesach, that's when we are so careful not to have even the slightest drop of chomets. Once we're out of Egypt, comfortably in a process, if I may borrow a term that's very popular in Israel today, once you're in a healthy orbit, then you need to have a little bit of chomets, not arrogance. Arrogance is never kosher, never, ever. But you're allowed to have a sense of self-value. You should have. That's a little bit of inflation. A little bit of inflation to be able to stand up and say, you know what, I'm proud of what I achieved. You're allowed to do that once you're on the other side of achievement. You can certainly not do it and you can't afford to do it when you're at the beginning and just starting to achieve. That's one of the most dangerous things. And that's why I say, look at people when they start to become religious. If at that early stage of their development they become arrogant and patronizing and looking down their nose at other people, you have a major disaster developing. But if a person is humble, and one of the key ways to be humble is to say, I actually don't really know anything. There's a whole lot out there that I haven't begun to scratch the surface. Then you're in a healthy place. Then you'll grow. It's probably one of the reasons why we start the Pesach Seder with questions. Because we want to, we're basically telling everybody at the table, if you want to come on this journey, don't come on this journey with answers. Come on this journey with questions. Don't come on this journey thinking that you know things or that you're an authority or that you've got a view or that you've got an opinion. Because you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to land up actually going through the same circular experience that your whole life has been until now. If you want to go on this journey, then have the humility to ask a question and to acknowledge that you don't necessarily have an answer to the question. You might notice that in the Pesach Seder, not all the questions that we ask do we actually answer? Because sometimes it's important to know that you don't have all the answers. So Chomets all year round is about self-confidence and about taking pride in who I am. I'm a Jewish person. I have a connection to God Almighty. I'm, I'm living with the guidance of the Torah. I can be proud of that, but certainly not arrogant. And the very worst place to have any drop of arrogance is at the beginning of a personal journey because then things are going to go all haywire. So that, I hope, answers your question as to why it is that we're so desperate to get rid of Chomets now. Just a few weeks later when we get to the next holiday of Shavuot, it's actually the only holiday ever in history that they had Chomets in the temple. So happy cleaning. I hope it's a meaningful experience and not an overwhelming experience. Remember that dust is not chomets. And as they say, your children are not the Pesach sacrifice. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a great week ahead.